who does there now? Who doesn't like a good butt tattoo? <laughs> Just saying. All right, you don't so always want your priest to have one. I guess not. Oh, well, 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 everybody, welcome. Welcome to Hip and Humble Podcast. Welcome. Yeah, I'm I'm Aram. And I'm Mom. And we want to welcome you to our show. We welcome. talk we talk about all things antique and collectibles. Um, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. We have three locations, two in Virginia, one in Oklahoma or just outside of Oklahoma City. And of course, for those of you that are not all about driving, we have a store on Etsy. And if you have time, please go and check us out. If we don't have anything that tickles your fancy at the moment, I promise we will soon. And the locations are Oldies But Goodies in downtown Fredericksburg um, and Boswell's Corner, Te- Corner Antiques in Stafford. And the Rink, Rink Gallery in Bethany, Oklahoma. And the Rink has got some awesome new merchandise. We just sold one of these beautiful 10-foot-tall doors. And we've got a few more, so I know that they'll be going out to the shop sometime soon. But Angie has um, really done great, and she's put a beautiful little kids back-to-school scene together there. Oh, yeah. And so she's got, you know, the... Uh, School desk and just all kinds of fun stuff. So really, really cute stuff. You really got to go out and check it out. Uh, we also want to thank our, the Going Solo Network for putting us on and all the listeners uh, that uh, that we've gotten through through them. And we just want to thank all of you guys so much for tuning in and uh, giving us a listen. And uh, it, it really means so much to us. And if you guys would like to support us or support Going Solo, the Going Solo Network, uh, please consider clicking the link uh, in our on our for our Patreon page and contributing to our show. All right. All right. Yeah. So, uh we 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 we've kind of been talking about radio history for a little while now and radio and communication and communications and, and um and how that fits in. Yeah. And it's it's been really really fun and and there's so much on this topic, but and we'll circle back. I'm sure we'll circle back, but I think uh, I think we're going to move on after this week for now and uh, we might talk about something fun. Maybe. Do you want to play a game? Let's play a game. What kind of game? Mm. Tiddly winks. Tiddly winks, huh? Shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders. I like shoots and Bingo. ladders. Bingo. <laughs> bingo could be fun. That's right. It can be fun. It could be fun. You know, I worked at a bingo hall for a little while. When? Uh, right when I got out of the Navy. Okay. Yeah. I was I was fixing the bingo computers. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, were you over there helping those little old ladies stamp their cards? <laughs> I wasn't helping them stamp their cards. No, but the, they they had the cards and they also had those um, the the little tiny bingo computers, and they would just hit, really? hit the button. That's what also my job was to fix those little bingo computers. So instead of stamping a card, you just push a button. You push just push a button. Yeah, well, that kind of feels like cheating a little. A bit. A little bit. But uh, but they still had the card. They still had the cards too. And I mean, those I'll tell you, some of those ladies they came religiously. Yeah, I hear that. That a lot of folks are really serious. They're very serious about bingo. It is not a joke to them at all. Well, you know, I like a good rousting game of bingo every Mm -hmm. once in a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they'd spend so much money, and they'd win. They'd win like like five hundred bucks or something. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not want that much. No, I like my money. Yeah, in my pocket. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the not little... a gambler. No, no, I'm not either. I, I'm just not. Although Aram and I, we went to oh, that's right. 
Yeah, we went to um, one of the new casinos when it opened up over here in D.C. Well, it's right it's right in Maryland, so but you know, right over the river. And so, anyway, we go in and um, we get our little card, and they give you what ten bucks free or something like that on your card, something, something like that. So, I'm, when I say I'm not a gambler, I really am not a gambler. So we go in to do. I think it was the penny slots. Yeah, we went nickels, to. There was nickel or, slots. Nickel, nickel slots. slots. Yeah. And I think I went like three times uh-huh. and got like fifty bucks. Aram hit one time and got like fifty four dollars or yeah. something like that. And I was like, I'm done. Double like, the money. We're out. Yeah. <laughs> so it that was, was so the, cool. That was the end of that. Yeah, I'm just not. I, I, you know, I, I have friends who are really, really into it, and they spend time, and, and it's just, it just doesn't appeal to me. I, I mean, I like going to the casino because they're neat to look at. Yeah, they're kind of fun, and yeah. I think if you go into the casino like as an entertainment and go, hey, I have twenty dollars. This is what I would spend on a movie. Exactly. And when my twenty dollars is gone, so am I. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there you go. absolutely. But that was fun. Yeah. It was very short, but it was fun. Then we got, well, then we went and ate lunch and spent like $50 on hot dogs or something. <laughs> something ridiculous. Because it's like, you know, Disney World food there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the, the equipment that they had there was, was really advanced, especially the, the stuff that they used for the intercom system and everything. It was really interesting the way that it got set up. And that kind of ties us back to our topic, which is the radio equipment history. But our teaser were toys. Our teaser was toys. If you guys couldn't have guessed from our games talk. That's right. Yeah, we might be talking about some vintage toys. So please, next week, tune in so you can find out. That's right. Um, so, But back to our topic. All audio broadcasting, including podcasts, came from radio. And radio has come such a long way. Um, it's funny because nowadays, uh, when it comes to like FM and AM radio, I don't listen to it as much. And I think it's because there's so many other options for listening to podcasts and music and things like that where you don't have well, to. Well, I think it's also that, you know, when you're driving down the road, if you're on long trips, like I take a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to a radio station, and 100 miles later, I've got static. Oh, yeah. And that's annoying. So, you know, if I'm listening to the satellite radio, I got the same whatever it's I want. It's consistent. It's yeah. consistent. And I can hear it. Mm. Without, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I got saying earlier, there's just so much to this topic of radio, and we really could start off. We could start a second podcast and devote it completely to radio history. We could, but we're but not we're, going we're not to. going to. But uh, there was just so many inventions and people that propelled this industry and communication to the places it's gone today, and it's still expanding. Um, you're, I mean, you're hearing this podcast now because of the inventions we've talked about and the people that were, that were lucky and brave enough to push their ideas forward. That's a good thing. Yeah. Brave enough. Absolutely. It takes a lot of bravery. Absolutely. For a new idea. It does. It's funny to think that, that the radio waves too, they were actually discovered in the early, uh, 18th century. Sorry. Yeah. The 18th century, but the scientific community at the time, they didn't think it was relevant technology. Right. It wasn't until uh, Guglielmo Marconi tried to expand the distance he could transmit radio waves in the late 17th century that anyone gave this technology a second look. You know, I've been fascinated by history my whole life, and all my interest and research has led me to believe that culture, technology, sociology, and people in general are defined more by what they don't know. Yeah. 
I can see that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's not to say that uh, people haven't always been intelligent. Yeah, they've always been intelligent and utilized. Well, no, but you're when you don't know something, then it piques your interest, and then you develop the skills to be able to find out what you don't know. Right, and then, I, mean, I think you know, that the discoveries of different, uh, you know, different eras have really defined the attitude and the culture. Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, People talk about all the issues of today and it, and I, I, I always take a step back because I always like to take a step back whenever I hear about these new issues, uh, in really any, any category because it's like, okay, what do we not know at this point? Because 10 years from now, we're going to know so much more on this topic. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the issues and stuff today are really more moral issues and not mm-hmm. so much scientific issues. Yeah, in a lot of the cases, I could agree for yeah. sure. But uh, back to back to our topic, we're I want to start off by talking about Frank Conrad. Frank Conrad. Frank Conrad. He was the first person to set up a radio station. Wow. Yeah, for just after World War One, he uh, he developed further the transmitter, um, the radio transmitter, and uh, he actually started it out of his garage, and. He just started pushing out. Uh, just like those computer guys. Yeah, just like those computer guys. Uh, That's where they got it. They, they were like, hey, let's follow Mr. Conrad's idea and do stuff in our garage. Yeah. Uh, Apple started that way. Amazon started that way. Yeah. Lots of people start out of garages. Yeah. Garages are pretty, pretty, pretty good spots. Yeah, apparently they inspire creativity. Yeah. But he uh, – he, he, Overdeveloped the radio transmitter. He overdeveloped? Not overdeveloped. He innovated. <laughs> there we go. That's a better word. Innovate. He innovated the radio transmitter and it pushed out so much more. It pushed out uh, the radio waves so much further to the point where he was actually transmitting. He was in Pittsburgh and he was transmitting all the way up to New Hampshire. And uh, he started bringing on high school music groups to come sing and he would play records and eventually he started reporting the scores to sports and that um on the night of November 2nd in 1920 what really kind of piqued the interest of people and and sparked this as a a nationalized culture was in on this, uh, November 2nd 1920 Conrad and his Westinghouse associates announced that Warren G Harding had defeated James Cox to become the next president the message was heard as, as like i said as far north as new hampshire and as far down as louisiana and after that the federal government actually granted the, let, the granted the call letters KDKA to the Pittsburgh space station and that's when a new industry was born Yep, that's when government regulation began (laughs) on radio. Yeah, that's right. But by the end, this was in 1920, but by the end of 1922, there were over 500 different radio stations. Yeah, radio was. Yeah, radio was so enticing (laughs) because after the radio was so enticing to, to the public too, because after the initial purchase of the radio, listening was free because that's whenever advertisements started paying for the radio for the station. Radio stations, yep. Mm-hmm. Advertising was, or corporate advertising <laughs> is what uh, gives us free things to listen to. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. But, oh, by they the end of the circle of life. Yeah. By the end of the twenties, uh, corporations were paying up to ten thousand dollars to radio stations for an hour of prime time radio space. That that is that's quite a lot. But then when you think about like the Super Bowl ads and how yeah. there's like a million dollars or 
two million dollars. I think it's I think it's like two point four million dollars for, for thirty seconds. Something like thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Much. Yeah. We talked about uh the company RCA last week and those uh the RCA is the company that has the nipper dog with the um phonograph. Am I saying the wrong thing again? You know what? I had I had a couple come in the store today, and that's what they were looking for was a phonograph. Oh, really? Yep. They were looking for a phonograph, and then they they also wanted um, like a 1940s, 50s, 60s hi-fi. Oh, wow. Which those are uh, – my mom had – my mom and dad, they had like a hi-fi uh, ra- record player. Yeah. And it had a radio in it, too. But it was a large piece of furniture. Yeah. So I mean, I remember it was kind of sitting whenever you'd come in the house. So it was kind of almost like a buffet kind of looking thing, and you lift the whole thing up and had the record player and yeah. then the speakers were in there. Oh, I saw that at the antique show up in Pennsylvania. Well, mom had Elvis records. Oh wow! Tons of Elvis controversy records. right there. Yeah. Love those Elvis records, but I remember we put the Elvis records on the on the record player, and my brother would go in there and sing Elvis. And oh wow! It was a lot of fun, but a lot of fun memories with that. But this couple came in specifically looking for a phonograph, and they wanted uh, a hi-fi. Wow! So hmm. a lot. There are people that I guess collect. Yeah, you know, they're very them. very collectible, especially yeah. especially the the patrols that we talked about last week. And they also wanted a hand cranked phone. Oh, wow. And I said, well, hey, are you in luck? Because I happen to have a hand crank <laughs> That's phone. That's right. And we, we do at the downtown Fredericksburg. We have a hand crank phone that you, you know, screw onto the wall, but ours actually works. Yeah. So if you are in the dark ages, like <laughs> a lot of people that are There's nothing people, wrong with that. Hey, There's you know nothing what? wrong with that. I like the dark ages. They're calm. But if you have a landline, this one actually works. You can plug it into your landline. And talk on the phone. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, the first radio stations, the way that they they were established is they started uh, reserving telephone lines. RCA, RCA actually created America's first radio broadcasting company, NBC. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, they did it by licensing the telephone lines. They and and obviously last week we talked about how they launched the first national ad campaign. That's how they were able to do it because they licensed so the telephone. So that's when their big corporation began. Mm-hmm. That's when NBC yep. began. Yeah, radio cre- really created the first national entertainment culture as well because yeah. uh, up to that point in history, like we were, like we have been saying. Nobody could talk. You couldn't, unless you were talking on the phone directly to someone that you knew on the other side of the country, you weren't, you couldn't hear the same thing at the same time. Whenever radio became national, it broadcast nationally, it was the first time that people all over the country could hear the same thing at the same time. And so it influenced uh, the culture. People from all corners of the country, they listened to the same sporting events, the same news. The styles of clothing and the fads, they actually became less regionalized. They became more national because of radio. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, we wanted to, to expand a little bit. Of that. That, I wanted to expand a little bit uh, on the radio stations and, and um, that propulsion in the industry. But I also wanted to go, or we also wanted to talk this week about some of the equipment that they used and the microphones actually were 
they're 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 still very collectible, and they're they're they are. Do a you fantastic. have any of those? I don't have any. You have some radio equipment, though. What kind of radio equipment do you have? So I have uh, I have XLR mics, and I have like the um recording recording converter to USB. So the XLR it's basically the 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 box that the mics plug into and then you can plug the box into the computer so that you can record what you're saying. It's actually what we're using right now. Well, they have, you know, another part of the entertainment industry there with the, uh, with radio were all the shows. Oh yeah. All the, you know, I guess, I don't know if they'd be syndicated shows or. Well, they're just called radio shows. Radio shows. Yeah. So, you know, Fiber McGee mm-hmm. or Fibber McGee and Molly. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Amos and Andy, the Bell Telephone Hour. Now, there's some advertising for you. <laughs> that is pretty interesting, yeah. Camel Caravan, Campbell's Playhouse, Famous Jury Trials. Wow. That would be interesting. That would be really, really cool. Father Knows Best, <laughs> The Fred Allen Show, Betty and Bob, the FBI in peace and war. You know, the coolest thing about those radio shows and kind of getting back into the, the equipment that they used, uh, during those radio shows, whatever characters would enter into different, uh, scenes or they would, they would have a setting that they wanted to portray. They actually had these, uh, these sound, um, uh, these sound engineers basically, but, they did, they weren't called that. No, they probably weren't called that. And most of the time, the actors would pretty much just be sitting around and everybody would maybe have sound things. And they used all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could, you know, clap your hands for lightning or whatever. But Lucille Ball had a radio show. Mm-hmm. So before, you know, the Lucille Ball TV show, she was on the radio. Yeah. So Gunsmoke. Yeah, and, the, and the, yeah. Gunsmoke the, would be awesome. To listen to oh for sure and all the the people that that made sounds on the, those radio shows back in the day they were called bit actors mm-hmm. yeah they were hired to create sounds that became like oral cues for the radio shows like opening closing doors knocking on doors rains clashing of swords knives sometimes they would have up to four people producing sounds or practicing making sounds at a time it's funny because now you know I can go into an editing software and you know pick up 15 sounds and put them all in, in different places uh, in any audio track ever you know it, it's some all these different sounds are recorded and manipulated and you can you know widen them soften them so on and so forth but back then they had to create the sounds with what they had around them yeah and uh, so as the skill of creating these sounds evolved, a lot of these guys would basically, they would become niche. So there were certain comedy sound bit actors versus dramatic sound bit actors or horror sound bit actors. And you know what I was, when I was saying nowadays, you can look into, you can use sound editing software to put sounds in almost instantly into any track Back then, they would search for weeks for different sounds. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it was an art form, really. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like you're producing a play, but nobody can see you. So you've got to 
make everybody hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to play when you're visually looking at something. You've got all those nuanced cues or, you know, kind of information that everybody knows. Right. Yeah. Everybody because... knows that you just opened a door. Right. Which could be opened silently. But mm-hmm. on a radio, you got to open the door. Yeah. So that you hear it. I actually, actually during uh, high school, whenever we did drama or when I, when I was in a drama class, we had to write and make a radio show and we had to be our own bid actors. So we would have to make our own sounds with the things that we had available. I think we had this old, um, uh, cooler that would open it up and it made this huge creaking sound <laughs> every time you would open it up and close it. And so we used it, uh, most of the, most of the teams used it for different, uh, entrance and exit scenes and stuff like that. But it was a really, really cool experience. Although it was, it, it really enlightened how difficult it was because there was so many different sounds and things that, that you would put in to establish presence or establish scenery and so on and so forth. And, it, it took a lot, a lot of work. More thinking, it's I a, think. a lot more think, a lot more creative. Yeah, a lot more creative. A lot more creative. But yeah, you know, I'm sitting here looking through some of these. Um, was it from the 1930s t- radio shows? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting how we still have some of these. Oh yeah. Or they've still been around. The sixty-four thousand dollar question. <laughs> so I mean, that's been a been a, a game show. Oh yeah. Before. Oh yeah. Let's see. Um, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Always a favorite. Always Battle a Battle of one. the Sexes. That is How many a tale's times time. has that, you know, been reborn? That's a tale as old as time. Yep. Charlie Chan. Wow. Dick Tracy. Also Dick Tracy. Also was a t- TV show. Mm-hmm. Dracula. Dragnet. Dragnet. Hmm. That, I, I, Fireside Chats. Wow. So the presidents used to do fireside chats, and we still hear about we're going to have a fireside chat. We're going to have a, what is it? What do they call them now? The, um, whenever they State try the to talk, no, whenever they're doing their little spiels at, and they're talking to the everyday person. Oh, uh, I don't know. Well, it's whenever the president's going and they're, they're going to talk to the everyday person and they have supposedly normal. A press conference, maybe? No, it's whenever they're standing on stage and then you've got people all around and they fire off questions to them. Like a teacher from Ohio and then a plumber from Pittsburgh or hmm. I don't know. It'll come to me. Hmm. Hallmark Playhouse, which personally I think is where the Hallmark Channel probably began. That makes sense to me. It does. Let's Lone, talk, we'll Lone talk, Ranger. There we go. Let's talk more about that when we come back. Orson Welles show. <laughs> We're living it. Yeah, we really are. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Welcome back to Hip and Humble Podcast. We wanted to thank, thank our sponsors, Hip and Humble LLC and the Going Solo Network. If you want to, if you like what you're hearing and you want to follow us, please support us on Instagram at H-I-P-N period humble on Instagram. That's hipn.humble. Also, if you really like what we're doing, go ahead and check out our Patreon and our Etsy page, and you can find some of our cool find or sorry, weird finds of the week, and a lot of other really fun stuff. Yeah, and the, for those of you again listening on the Going Solo Network, we're really really excited to have you here. We're thankful for you listening to us and supporting us. 
And yeah, so back to what we were saying. Town hall meetings. That's what, Town it, that's hall what meetings. they call them now. All right. Mm-hmm. That, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. The Goldbergs. Mm, there, there's, there's still a show called The Goldbergs. I know, it's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, before we get into more Magic of these shows. Magic Island. If anybody remembers Fantasy Island. <laughs> Fantasy Island, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a really cool, weird find of the week. Yes, we do. I know, it's pretty, pretty I'm having a great time just reading off these these different shows, because it's like, wow, we really haven't come that far. Well, I think they've just adapted them. You know? Well, they have. It's, they've just changed them. But our find of the week. You hear it? wonder what that could be. What could it be? That could be a scary guy coming up. Could be sword fighting. It could be sword fighting. We could be. Well, our scary find is silver. And... There is. It's got a wooden handle. Yeah, you know, there's a wooden handle. There's but it's two, two pieces. pieces. Yeah, two pieces, and they are they're hammered metal, probably hammered tin, mm-hmm. um, or stain, uh, stainless, stainless steel. steel. So really nice little pieces, kind of decorative, but both of them have. They're not sharp edges, but they're they're straight edges, edges. very yeah. straight, straight edges. edges. Yeah. And then they have embellished edges around two around the, around the two different straight edges. So they kind of look like a dustpan and kind of a little whisk broom. It kind of looks like a chopping like a like a chopping knife, and then then a little dustpan to go with it. And they're matching. Yeah, yeah and they kind of match. Mm-hmm. So kind of kind of took Aram a second to kind of figure me, it, it out. Took me a second, yeah. But butlers used to use them, um, or really. You know, fancy restaurants and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. The waiters would come in and use them. And when you would eat, everybody leaves a crumb or two on the table. And they would come by and they would take the little thing as the one with the handle and they would brush your crumbs off into the little dustpan part. They're crumb catchers. Crumb catchers. So, Not to be confused with a cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't find them very often. They're pretty, they're kind of. Unique. Yeah, that's the, that's the only one I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 So like they're it. kind of pretty unique little items, but Aaron will put it up on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And definitely take a picture of it for Instagram. But, yeah, one of you lucky listeners can purchase it on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really cool, really, really neat little thing. It's going in my collection. <laughs> yep. Just started a new collection of crumb catchers. <laughs> but it is, it's a pretty cool little piece. No, it really is. You know, kind of takes you back to a different era. Or, you know, folks like us that don't go to fancy restaurants that have people that catch crumbs. Yeah. We I have dogs. So. Yeah, we have dogs. Do- our dogs are more of our crumb catchers than... Yeah. yeah. After we had one of our dogs die, we didn't, didn't have a dog. And that was one thing I noticed. It was like, well, crap, I got to actually, you know, sweep the floor every time. Because I don't have any them. dog to clean up all the crumbs. Yeah, I will say, you know, I I had uh, when I moved out, I got a cat, and that's, they don't do crumbs like a dog. They, I mean, they eat them, but not as they're they're very tentative about it, and they yeah, don't really they're not enthusiastic. Crumb they're not eaters. They're not enthusiastic crumb eaters. Dogs are very enthusiastic about crumbs. Oh yeah, no, for sure. But if you don't have an enthusiastic dog, we've got. A really great do-it-yourself crumb catcher. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's pretty neat. It is really cool. Yeah. I, I think it's really, really neat. Yeah. I like it, but that is our weird find of the week. Oh, yeah. 
I don't think I really don't think I've ever seen one, even in an antique shop. No, no, I, I've, I've, that's like I said, that's the only one I've ever seen. And honestly, I'm not sure where that came from. To tell you the truth, I don't know. I don't know. It just appeared. Maybe it's like a magic thing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. It Sometimes could be. down here in the basement, you just things just show up, and I really don't know where they came from. <laughs> it's just there. It is. But back to our radio. I really like the radio part. I like the I like the entertainment part of the radio. Yeah. Oh, you know what? They had Ripley's Believe It or Not section. Did radio. They? I have no idea how you would do that. I don't know, but it sounds fantastic. It really does. You know what? Now, come to think of it, so we went to Branson, Missouri once upon a time. Once upon a time. And there they have the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum yep. in Branson. I think they they have a couple in, in a lot of those um, cities. Williamsburg has one. Will- I drove I was drove. I was in Williamsburg yesterday. Williamsburg, drove by Virginia. There. Yeah, Williamsburg, Virginia. Not, not, not New York. Why would it be in Williamsburg, New York? Well, I was just clarifying. I didn't even know there was a Williamsburg, New York. Mm-hmm, it's in Brooklyn. Well, no, this is. I mean, not in Brooklyn, but not a chance on God's green earth. I'm going to New York City or anywhere around there right now. No, <laughs> that's Forget true. Get that. Yeah, that's this would fair. Be Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. But they do have a Ripley's Believe It or Not. Mm-hmm. And in that one, in the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Branson, I do remember them talking about their radio show. Oh, in, do you? In one of their exhibits, yeah. Yeah. But that's pretty neat. I yeah. mean, the, you know, some of those things that fascinated us back in the 30s are fascinating us now. Yeah, they're still fascinating. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I agree. Tarzan, that's another one. Ed Sullivan Show. Oh, that mm-hmm. is timeless. That is Timeless, mm-hmm. which developed into The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Yeah. One Still of the, the best ever. All the rest of them, not so good. Carson, he was good. He was good. One of the founders of radio shows, one of the most prolific or notorious radio show producers was Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Orson Welles, and he had his own show. He did have his own show, and he had his own bit actors. So a lot of the bit actors they that started in the twenties ended up pretty much being the bit actors throughout the entire golden age mm-hmm. of radio. Because a lot of these producers, Orson Welles um, in particular, they would he would basically rely or trust on one or two of these bit actors. He Orson Welles himself, he traveled with with his one of his bit actors to everything he ever did. Every yeah. ro- every radio show he ever did, he always had the same guy because they developed these these relationships and that was kind of what it was. So anybody that was trying to get into the industry at that time, they were kind of out of luck. At least if they were trying to become a bit actor. Right. Yeah. Do you also have the Mercury Theater on the air? The Mercury Theater. The Mercury Theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where you would, I think, I guess, like plays. Yeah. And stuff. So you could go anywhere from funny to scary. Oh, yeah. But it takes a great actor to be able to do that. Oh, no, it really does. And the the range, especially in oh, yeah. voice acting, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Vo- I, I, it's, I would say that would be one of the highlights of the golden age of radio is really displaying the range of different actors because how you make anybody even do that anymore. Voice acting. Yeah. Well, no, not voice acting, but you know, be able to do everything, you know, from comedy to sad to, I mean, I would say Robin Williams would be one. Robin Williams could have, I mean, did anything. Adam Sandler did that. 
He did. Uh, I like Robin Williams better. Uh, yeah, but God rest his soul. God rest his soul. But there, there are quite a few actors that have a really good range still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would argue some. I mean, like Robert De Niro is probably one of the one of the better ones. I love I love Robin Williams. Robin Williams is a great one. <laughs> we will keep we will keep iterating that. Yes, but Truth yeah. Truth or consequences. Oh. Have you seen that show? I have not, but I would probably pick consequences. No, that's the name of the show, Truth or Consequences. Well, if you had to choose between the two, which one would you pick? Truth. Okay. But that was, I remember that show, you know, it was a game show, Truth or Consequences. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I want to say it was probably seventy, late 70s, 80s, at least. Wow, 70s, huh? Yep. Just wait. Time's coming, little boy. <laughs> He's making fun of me, you guys. I I don't know about that. Uh-huh. No, because the seven and if you guys didn't know the seven in the seventies, the dinosaurs were still around. And now my son's gonna get hit with a spoon. <laughs> this won't be play acting for the radio. This will be an actual spoon. <laughs> oh, don't do that. That's right. Live in fear. I I I'm always afraid. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but go or going back to Orson Welles, he his uh, bit actor that he took around was or, or one of the ones that was involved was Sidney Breckner. And what I was going to say before was when we were talking about the length of time that it would take them to find different sounds. He would go, he would search around for, for weeks to find specific sounds for different sets because a lot of, a lot of the times for those shows, the way it would go is the bit actors would get the scripts about a week before, a week before everyone else and they would see the different transitions and sounds that needed to be made. So they would have a lot more time to basically figure out how, what sound needed to be where. And as the industry progressed, they created different machines to, mimic certain sounds and they became universal they they would sell those machines like a rainmaker or uh you know they would make the, make the door sounds and so on and so forth well he actually found the sound of i forget this it was uh, the sound of basically um slapping against skin and what he did was he went to his mother's house about a week before the show and he dropped a grape on the floor and he accidentally stepped on the grape <laughs> and it made the perfect sound. He said it sent shivers up his spine and so he would put he put a microphone about held it right up next to the floor and walked over grapes. And that was the sound that he used for basically hitting skin. Ew. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Yuck. <laughs> Yucky poo. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yucky. Yeah, if you guys want to listen or want to read more about this, there's a there's a really interesting article that highlights a few more of the common and more bizarre strategies to sound effects. The sound effects bible is what it's called, and it'll walk you through a wider variety of effects, and it'll tell you how to create them. Just for those nights when your kids won't go to sleep, mm-hmm. and you can make really odd sounds in the hallway. Yeah. And then you'll have therapy bills to pay later. Yeah, but therapy's cheaper than uh, some things. (laughs) 
Hell, you know. Yeah. Well, chair- therapy's cheaper than medical bills and uh, court court fees for hurting them. Because <laughs> you can't put it, because they won't sleep. Well, you know. Mm. But. Oh, well. Oh, well, indeed. Kids are fun. They, All kinds of things you can learn from those radio shows. Well, I, I think I, I'm I'm very I, – going through the history here, I've been so impressed with how informative and how innovative a lot of these shows were. Like I was talking about earlier, the more I've looked at history, the more I've seen how being brave and pushing forward those ideas has really shaped culture. And I think, well, it really has when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've gone over and talked about, you know, kind of the invention of radio and the radio waves and all of that kind of stuff. You know, all the different technologies. All the different technologies and stuff that have, have come in that. And then, you know, all the different, not all of them, but a lot of the different uh, manufacturers of the radios and kind of how that they've, they've progressed, progressed the culture. And stuff. The culture quite a bit. But then, you know, we're kind of up to the point where we're, Looking at how the radio was used, you know, once it caught on and once, you know, it was going and stuff, it did become a major form of, of entertainment, but also big business. Yes. It so, was huge, huge business. You know, I mean, they have another show that was the Palm Olive Hour. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, I wonder if that's about Palm Olive Soap, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you've got a lot of the, you know, different manufacturers and stuff of different products that are now producing shows I, you know, not only to entertain, but also promote their product. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of evolved from there. Well, if you think I about mean, it too, from, from that perspective, this was the first time that brands could really nationalize so quickly. Right. You know, the, the first time, I mean, these weren't the first times in history where you were seeing millionaires and things like that, but the quick millionaires. Sure. A lot of very fast money because you were able to promote and market in a way and that you never had been before. There's a lot of products and stuff that, you know, come from a lot of this too, because back then you still had salesmen. Mm-hmm. So salesmen would come to your door with a whole host of products and you could buy from them. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of those salesmen samples are very highly sought after now. Oh, yes. Yeah. The salesman samples are incredible, uh, they're incredible to collect. Yeah. We just, we just sold a uh, salesman sample. It was a toy, but it was for a washing machine. Oh yeah, so, yeah. We you know, yeah, I mean, we got a picture of that up on our up really, on our Instagram. It's really, it's adorable. Really cute. Sad to see that go. To I be really honest. was. Yeah, I was. I was like, oh crap. I really like the the color pink that's on that. For some reason, I just love that color. Well, it's it's like why. a pastel pink, but not quite. Yeah. No, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like a pastel. Pink. It's not fully committed to pastel. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool. Yeah, but it, was, it was incredible. I think radio kind of you know help people. When they would go to buy things and stuff like that, and then people would see these little miniatures of their products and stuff, it it had a whole new industry. It gave a whole new dynamic to mm-hmm. how we buy and sell. Oh, yeah. And, you know, things that we collect today because a lot of people – I've seen some of those salesman samples of furniture. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. They are adorable and – you're going to pay a lot for them. <laughs> oh, Even yeah. at auction, you're going to pay a lot for those. Well, because salesmen, because especially. so many people are looking for them, they're they're really and I I mean it makes sense because they oh, are yeah. incredible to collect. Well, and people don't realize how much um, craftsmanship went into them because they literally, if you if you bought this dresser from whatever company, you were going to get the exact same dresser. So 
They mm-hmm. were very, very well. They had to, they had they had to be handmade too oh, because yeah. the. I mean, obviously, this is way after the Industrial Revolution. Whenever this, sure, these things were being used, so they the majority of products were machine manufactured, and they were manufactured in different factories. But those small models like that, they couldn't be they they couldn't scale down their entire factory to make one little tiny model. So no. they had to they had they, to hand make these. They pick out their pre- their best products, mm-hmm. and then what was funny or interesting. Was if, like, when a new model came out, mm-hmm. whatever salesmen, however many salesmen there were that were selling the old model, they just gave them to them. Yep. So they'd see a kid in the yard and say, hey, here, here's a new toy. And mm-hmm. that, that was a toy for them. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that actually, that in turn promoted their business. It did. It yeah. did. So I think radio, you know, radio has had a massive effect on how we buy, how we purchase, how we know. You know, know about products. How we, how people advertise, how, you know, how mm-hmm. people hear about different things. I mean, you talk about, there are certain industries even still that, 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 uh, that grow based on word of mouth, like a lot of con- oh, yeah. contracting companies, uh, um, servicemen, plumbers, electricians, a lot of those, a lot of these guys are. Well, even local restaurants. I had mm-hmm. a couple today, um, actually was in the parking lot trying to get up to the shop and, and I guess they knew I was, I was from there since I had my dog with me and you know, mm-hmm. was trying to tote bags and all this mm-hmm. and whatnot. But they wanted to know best place to eat. Yeah. So they're like, we don't want the commercial stuff. We don't want – give me the local. Where do locals go? Sona Amy's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course I did. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, Guys, if you, ever come, if you ever come to Fredericksburg, which please do because we want you to come to Absolutely. our store. Absolutely. And uh, definitely stop and eat at Amy's Cafe. Yep, it's a fantastic little fantastic. restaurant. The meatloaf, wonderful. beautiful. I've beautiful. never, I've never had anything there I didn't like. No, no, not at all. Never. They're when all you eat every, everything or on the menu. Outside, mm-hmm. it's right by the Rappahannock River. Oh yeah, and and a lot of bikers eat there, so you know it's good. Oh yeah, you know? And if they ever get the bridge fixed in downtown, it will be <laughs> much easier to tell people how to get there. Oh yeah, but that's what people want. They mm-hmm. want the local stuff. Well, and but what but I was—that's all word of mouth. That's all. That's all word of mouth. But before radio, that was the only way that people yeah. heard about things. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd have billboards and signs, but that's all local. Mm-hmm. But, but now it, it almost seems like a lot of times that it's switching. Mm-hmm. You know that you know everybody hears all the commercials for this, that, and the other, but they're like, ah, uh, what's. Give me something else. Well, and that's Tell me, give me the secret places. And the funny thing is, too, is with what we're doing here with podcasts. Yeah, it's all word of mouth. Oh yeah, that's how podcasts get big. It, it, they you don't really advertise a podcast no. as much. I mean, you do, of course, with social media. You know, I, I obviously we, we we post on our social media every day because we want to put out. You know, we want people to be excited as excited about what we're doing as we are. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not about that. It's about creating something that you guys enjoy and that we enjoy making yeah absolutely yeah and and a, a lot of that came from this radio culture oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's interesting to see how much it's it really has shaped how we do things yeah absolutely so and it's going to be interesting to kind of see you know what comes in the future absolutely you know? absolutely i think the key to understanding the present is understanding the past yeah, but I'm, I'm going to bet that like 100 years from now, they're still going to have the $64 million question 
Yeah, but it, it's just going to be the, kind of show. the amount of money is going to change, of course. I, I think you should keep it at 64000 I just really, you know, just, well, you just, just for it posterity. Just <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, guys, it's about our time. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, oh. that's not fun. No, but thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Yeah. We've had a good time talking about the radio. We have had a good time. Entertainment and stuff. Yeah. And, and, we and hope- a lot of the antiques that are associated with it. Absolutely. Them. But we're excited about the toys, too. Oh, seriously love the toys. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for these toys. That, that toys are one of those things that I have restricted myself from collecting. <laughs> I would like that noted because I, it is I, noted. I, mean, I love toys. Yeah, they're fantastic. And I have got some absolutely darling 1930s, 40, 30, late 30s, 40s Fisher Price ducks. Oh, and they're and at the they shop are, right now. They're adorable. They're at the shop right now, downtown Fredericksburg, in the window. And I'm so hoping no one ever buys them. I can bring them home because <laughs> I've already named them. Oh, no. See, that's, that's how you know it's bad. Aram, Kale, Tabit. Okay. That's their names. Real original. You know what? They are original <laughs> names. They are, though. Back off, Bonzo. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, thank you so much again for listening. We just we have so much fun, so we, we always do. get off and on tangents and stuff. Aram does that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mom just can't stop I talking. I used to be so. able to, you know, have a straight line of thought, and then, then there was Aram. Uh, well, you know, you needed some diversity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, son. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm here for. I know. (laughs) Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Stay hip. And humble. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.